If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 393 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka Shawnee Podcasts, the pod god. How are you all? Are you good? It's a, it's a beautifully cold December. Uh, I was going to say morning here, but it's 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 like a morning after a mad night of uh, of mixed martial arts. Yeah. And I am joined. It's, it's, snow, it's snowing here as well. I don't know if it's snowing down in Limerick, but it's been the last few days and, and today. Snow, so no, uh, no, no snow here. Just frost. Ha- housebound now because you know, don't be rich out there. Housebound roundabout. And now it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's you, you couldn't be going over, sure. My sister came out of our house the other day. Slip fell in her arse. Staying out of it, lads. It's too cold. God bless poor Ian over there in Canada. Out, he's like minus 48 degree I, I don't know how yeah, yeah. I, don't know. I remember uh, there's a like, meme where around the last time Ireland got a, a bit of snow and they were like oh you got a little bit of snow that's nice and it's like a train going through a huge ice cube basically <laughs> in Canada yeah the, 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 the poor old Canadians got a lot worse than us anyway but do you know what we will uh, we will get into uh, a bit of the weather a bit of MMA and all of that in a second but before we do it we must tell you that this episode of the podcast is brought to you us and everyone by our great friends over at Manscaped and you know what it's nearly Christmas time now it's never too early to put on the uh, the, the, the holiday music it's nearly too never too early to start uh, talking about gifts and you know what it's getting to that point now you need to be getting them whether it's for a friend or a friend in your pants you can make this season uh, to uh, a season to be jolly with Manscaped do your little drummer by a favour and use the lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom then add in Manscaped's top of the line shower products to have people thinking all I want for Christmas is you Santa cares about his sack and so should you look nice when you get naughty at manscaped.com and use the code SEVEREMAY for 20% off and free shipping also I know, Graham, you got your package as well during the week, didn't you? I got mine last week. That new Manscaped shampoo and conditioner combo is absolutely brilliant. It They've just upgraded it massively. The deodorant is great. That chapstick I've been using all the time is absolutely brilliant. I'm telling yeah, you. I was going to really say, brilliant. it arrived perfectly, that chapstick, because around this time of year, every fucking year, like, yes. my fucking lips are in fucking patterns. <laughs> the Peeling and just all this shit. Like. The, chapstick, the chapstick is actually perfect for the uh, for the cold. Like, there's like a tree pack, and already two of mine have been robbed. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've only one left. I'll be, I'll be putting in the promo code Severe Men and ordering more chapstick from Manscaped. But that uh, uh, Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. It has everything needed to help you from uh, to deck the halls from your face to your balls just in time for another mistletoe season. It is all the stuff from the performance package plus extra premium body wash, extra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, which 
I uh, am raving about the ultra premium and the ultra premium deodorant. That ultra premium deodorant as well. You need like one spray of it. Did you see, actually, did you see Paddy Pimblet this week spraying fucking cologne all over himself? You won't need that with this manscape because it's it's really really good and it lasts for a long time as well. It's a uh, uh, the best way to spray it fresh from your Santa hat to your candy cane. It's still, you know, the lawnmower 4.0, you know the weed, weed whacker for your nose and ear hair uh, trimming. It has the proprietary advanced skin safe technology to pr- uh, protect your delicate parts and it is waterproof as well. If you want in the shower or you want to use it, uh, throw it under the tap or whatever it might be. It has the 4000K LED light um, to light the way for Rudolph. And uh, once you've groomed your candy cane, it's make sure it's time to make sure you're smelling. Uh, you don't smell like a reindeer, even with the platinum packages, shower products, all the manscaped shower gel, it's sulfate free, vegan, and made to have your skin feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. But smelling good doesn't stop at the shower. The crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver ball toner can solve stank problems all day long. When they touch your sack, you never go back. The platinum package 4.0 sitting under tree is guaranteed to put anyone in the holiday spirit and for the stocking stuffer add in the brand new body buffer an incredible body scrubber that makes exfoliating easy and a lot uh, cleaner than the old loofah so get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code SEVEREMMA manscaped get your jingle balls ready for the holidays okay right Graham let's get into it makes martial arts Mixed martial arts, mixed martial arts. What a weekend of mixed martial arts. And uh, I, I feel like I've been spending the last uh, five or six years preparing myself for uh, for a night like this and a weekend like this because there was uh, 10, 10, 10, 10 finishes in a row and then we had two massive decisions. We also had a big decision over in Bellator the night before and uh, between the Sabatello and Stotts which I, I know maybe a fight not everyone has seen, but we will discuss it later on. But it was very funny, I think, that the three decisions were actually like the three layers of judging almost that we talk about, right? So, first of all, just quickly on, on the Sat Sabatella one, I, we'll go through the fight later on, but there was two judges that got that fight, in my opinion, correct, and then one judge who got it, like, blatantly wrong. 50-45 right? wrong. 50-45 wrong. So, there you have your robbery decision. Now, it wasn't a robbery because two of the judges, Brian Minor, Eric Alone, two of the best judges in the world got it right. Fair play. It's just to a terrible card from an one judge. absolutely terrible card. So that's what a terrible card looks like, right? You go to the Blahovich and Goliath fight and you look at that and you see all the different cards and it's a split, split draw. The cards are, you know, going one way and the other. And all. That to me is one, I went back and I watched the first round and I watched throughout the fight that to me is a fight that you can argue many different ways and you can look at it and go, like, I can agree with all of those cards and I can see them from all the different ways. And then you had the Paddy Pimbit Jared Garden one, which in my opinion was in the middle. I thought Garden won it. I thought it was a very, very close fight. And I think Pimblet winning was just kind of wrong, right? I, I, I don't think it was a robbery. I don't think it was a terrible, terrible, terrible decision. But it, wa- it, it was a little bit different from the Blahovich and Kalayev one, where it wasn't like, okay, yeah, that can go any loads of different ways. This one could have gone loads of different ways. There's no doubt about it. And if, if we're, I suppose um, when you add in two extra rounds, uh, yes. like there's potential 10-8s and stuff, yes. it does get a bit more murky. But personally, like I thought both <laughs> the co-main and the main, the, the winner didn't win. 
Well, there was so, no winner in the main event. You know, Ankalaev, I think, um, I, I think he should have won. Uh, I think he did win, but yeah, I think that one's, uh, you know, five rounds and kind of close rounds and potential 10 eights and stuff like that. I think that's definitely a bit more murky and, you know, a draw isn't exactly, you know, a terrible decision there. It's definitely disappointing and, you know, it's kind of a strange situation and all that and all that stuff. But I do think that Ankalaev should have got his hand raised there. Um, yeah. It, we we get to the main event in in, in, a, in a minute, but let's start with uh, let's start with Paddy Pimblett, uh, because it's really been a week dominated uh, by Paddy Pimblett, and we'll talk about the fight first because we'll we'll that's the most important part. We talk about the rest of it afterwards. You know, we try to be a a straight up journalistic endeavor here for the most part, and we'll talk about the fight. Uh, it was a very very <laughs> very close fight. The weird thing about this fight as well, Graham. Here's your expectancy bias coming out again. I think people expected this fight to go a lot different to the way it went. Now, the one advantage... I, I didn't. I don't think you did either. Did no, you? but that's that's what I was just about to say. The one advantage that people like myself and you that have been watching, say, Paddy Pimblett from his Cage Warriors Day that know him very, very well, knew that there was a possibility the fight went, it would go this way. Look, there was a, poss- there's a possibility anything can happen in mixed martial arts, but the, the possibility the fight went this way was probably a shocking thing for a lot of people and it took their t- minds time to adjust to the fight like this, right? Just like I think in the main event it took people's uh, uh, took time for people's mind to adjust to this not being the Paddy Pimblett fight anymore not being the quote-unquote robbery anymore and the, the madness was, was ensuing. For me, like, I've seen Paddy Pimblett in fights like this before against Aaron Back. You know, I, uh, and Julian Arosa and others. It's not like I, uh, I've i only seen Paddy Pimblett destroy people in the UFC. So that made me, I think, and yourself and a lot of other people who know Paddy Pimblett for a long time probably more able to call this down the middle than others who are expecting Paddy Pimblett to be the next Conor McGregor or to be the next Sean O'Malley or whatever it might be, you know. Do you think that's just the fans, or do you think uh, I, I think the media and people who have been kind of following the scene uh, probably thought the fight would go similar to where to where it went? I think maybe people who, you know, been, kind of jumped on the bandwagon, the hype train, or whatever people call it. I think those people maybe were expecting Paddy to go blow Gordon out of the water. But I think anybody who's been around and kind of you know seen both guys for, for a few fights at least w- would have predicted a, a close fight here. I. I would not really agree, to be honest. Now, the reason I say that is because maybe you're giving too much credit to some of the media there. <laughs> Honestly, and that, that's that's it more than yeah, anything possibly. else. <laughs> you know, I, th- I think, like, a lot of the media, and it'd be the same for us if there was, like, a hype train came through, you know, CFFC or LFA or something. We might not know him that well, and it might be, you know, we might think, oh, this guy is absolutely amazing after a few fights, and then he gets into a fight like this, and we see massive deficiencies, and it takes our brain time to adjust. You know, that that absolutely can happen, and to me, that's kind of what happened there. But having said that, it was still a very, very close fight. And I think the the, the slight difference there is... I think it was a close fight which Jared Garden won. I think a lot of other people think it was a Jared Garden fight and there's no way Paddy Pimper could have gotten a card here. Which well, is- I, th- I think the cards don't help as well. Like, the, you know, I think the first round was was Gordon. I don't know. Paddy, Paddy obviously thinks he won round uh, one and two. I think he lost both of those rounds and I think he won round three. 
Uh, just because Gordon actually landed absolutely nothing. And although Paddy didn't land anything big, he landed the better stuff, uh, in my opinion. Uh, that was clear enough that round. I don't know. People seem to have scored it another way. Maybe I need to go back and look at it. I missed something or something like that. But on first view, and I thought the first round was definitely Gordon. I thought the second round was Gordon. And I thought the third round was Paddy. The second round was the round where Paddy went for that kind of choke, wasn't it? Uh, I, I, well, I'll just go through it quickly the, the, yeah, first, yeah, yeah. the first round was As you said All those left hooks From Jared Gordon He was landing left hook After left hook After left hook And you know It wasn't It wasn't a shocking thing For me at all I've seen this happen to, You know to Paddy before Paddy was landing Some leg kicks Um there was some nice shots inside for Paddy. He landed a little kind of hooking right hand inside uh, a couple of times. A much slower kind of paced Paddy. Uh, and I think, you know, he said he got an ankle injury, so maybe that was part of it. But I think he was slower from the start as well, and maybe he, he, that was designed because he knew this would be a closer fight as well. Jared Garden was able to get on top late, was able to land a couple of shots. Not, not anything too much, but... Got grazed himself on the head by an elbow as well. Yeah. Exactly, a hundred percent. Exactly, it was a bit of a scratch, but yeah, it's definitely maybe could have influenced some people, I suppose. Yeah, if you're talking about a close, a close round there, and Paddy lands that elbow, absolutely. And to me, it wasn't enough. I thought Garden won it. I just thought, thought those left hands that he landed over and over and over were the most effective shots of the round. Now, there, some it's a weird one with Paddy as well, and. I think Aaron Bronsetter said it in an interview with him afterwards, and other people. Paddy's actually said this before. Paddy reacts weirdly to shots. I don't know if it, is it the hair or is it when he gets hit, he kind of jumps and he left, and you know you can really see him. And sometimes maybe that is more evident on TV than it is actually live watching it there. And uh, you know which way do you score it? Then I'm, I'm not actually sure. But in the in the second round. Paddy was much more square in this. And maybe the reason again was the ankle, I'm not sure, but he was there to kind of be hit a lot more. But I think Jared Garden kind of pushed him against the cage. They landed a you know, they landed a few punches each. There was a takedown. Paddy, yeah, Paddy went for the choke, wasn't able to get it. A lot of clinching again in this round. It, like it was another close round where Jared Garden landed some good punches. I, I would agree. I, I think you were kind of saying it there. The first round, I think Garden won it. The second round was was Garden again, but very, very close. And then in the third round, Jared Garden was holding him against the fence basically for five minutes. Landed absolutely nothing. Paddy didn't land much, but he was throwing those little knees when he was being held against the cage, throwing a few punches. And to me, that's enough. And I think that's the way MMA should be scored, where if a guy does nothing, throws no effective strikes, lands no effective strikes, has no effective grappling, holding someone against the cage is not effective grappling. Uh, effective, uh, you know, effective grappling is something that you know you get on a choke, you get on an armbar, you get uh, on some sort of uh, you know on some sort of submission. Just staying in a position does not score. Like if you, uh, I always say, if you move from orthodox to southpaw, why should that score? If you just stay in Southpaw for five minutes, are you should you score for that? It's the same as clinch. Like this clinch is just uh, a position that people hold. It's not a, an advantageous scoring position. Maybe you could say it's advantageous, but it's not scoring. And it wasn't advantageous for him because he did nothing with it. So, in my opinion, Paddy Pimblet definitely won that third round. That was to me that was the clearest round. To be honest, even though almost nothing happened and he did almost nothing and he got held against the cage for five minutes. But it t- look, it was a low enough quality fight. If we're being honest, I, I 
Like Jared, wait, wait, just before you go, well, on, which round was the one? Was second round was when Paddy went for the the choke. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you think that was close? I don't know. What did you think? I didn't think. I, I didn't think. But like, I'm not no. a jiu-jitsu guy. Maybe it's something that you know. Um, I didn't think it was close either. It was one of those ones we don't really see. But uh, I, I didn't think that was close. Maybe the oh. judges are putting a lot into that and thinking, oh, he nearly had him there, and giving Paddy that second round. But for me, I think that second round is is a close round. But I think the judges have to be you know good enough to to call that the right way. In in my opinion, um, yeah, I think this is the wrong decision. It's not like a. Re- it's not like as ridiculous as maybe I've seen some people say, but I do think it was the wrong decision and that the judges should be able to, you know, pick the winner as Jared Gordon from, from that fight, in my opinion. But maybe if I go back and watch it with a finer two comb, I might change my mind, but I, I really don't think so. So here's how the, the judges scored it. Uh, Douglas Crosby, who was that judge who put in the terrible scorecard for uh, for Danny Sabatello, which we'll get to later on, he scored rounds one and two for Pimlet and the third for Gordon, the exact opposite of how I scored it. Uh, Chris Lee, who is a very, very good judge, scored the first round for Gordon, the second round for him, then the third round for him. That uh, I think that's a very defensible card. I, I think there's nothing wrong uh, with that at all. And then Ron McCarthy scored uh, the first two rounds for Pimblet and the last for Gardner as well, the opposite of what I had. I have great respect oh. for Ron McCarthy. I think he's a good judge, but uh, like the, the second round, I can see that. I look, I can see the third. Why, what round. do you think won the, the second round for Paddy? For well, I don't. I, I think Garden won. I had Garden won in the, yeah. in the first. Well, what, what do you think? You know, uh, Chris Lee and Douglas Crosby <laughs> and Ron McCarthy, who all gave the second round to Paddy. Mm. Like, what? What do you think made them give the round to Paddy? I just think like the fact that there wasn't really much in it. Like Paddy was landing a couple of shots, as you said. He went for the choke. It wasn't massive there, but it should score somewhat. Like. It, do, do you like? I don't think any of those rounds were blow away rounds. Like the first yeah. one, maybe. I think there was a couple of nice right hands mixed in with the left uh, in the second round yeah. by Gordon as well. If I'm not misremembering, and I, I think that was, yeah, I think he won that round. Too, I really yeah, I, I think he won the round too. Like the the weird one about it, right? Even if you write off the the second round, like I I do think the second round was close because sometimes we forget as well, and you know maybe I we go was, overboard. I do, I do I do agree it was close, but I, like at this level, I think the judges should be like. <laughs> I know it's easy for me to say and all that, but it's it's definitely a difficult job. But I uh, I can see why people, especially with two in a row, the co-main event in the main, where maybe like you know the right guy didn't get his hand raised. I think people have a right to kind of be annoyed at this. Uh, yeah, I like I, I don't think it was perfect judging. I don't think it, uh, I don't think the right guy won. To be honest, I thought Garden won it, but like it's it was too close of a fight. Sometimes as well, like you have to just you have to do something a little bit extra to make sure of it, you know? It's, we say it all the time, close rounds are close rounds. And you, like, if you're a fighter, can you really blame a judge if you haven't set yourself apart? Like, at any... Yeah, in that third round, when he hasn't more control, he can land, you know, he does have opportunities to land at least the same stuff that Paddy's landing, but he doesn't. So he definitely, you know, has himself to blame partly, but as I said, yeah... It wouldn't have mattered anyway. Again, but yeah, it wouldn't have mattered then, no. but I still do think he did enough. Yeah, if he'd won that third round, all three judges' cards, he would have uh, he would have lost the split decision. That would have been the uh, the only difference because two of the judges already had it for him. But yeah, look, it was. I, I'll say it again. It was. It was. Did look the reason this is, <laughs> and it, it's funny to say this. The reason this is so like controversial and people are talking about it is because it was Paddy Pimblett. It's because it was a big co-main event fight. It's because it's Paddy Pimblett's first move up the top 
of the you know the, the, the up, up towards and the because guard. he's so polarizing exactly you know? <laughs> especially in, after you know midweek and you know some yes, people when you get to you that. know uh, you know he's probably you know maybe turn some people against him with that but you know uh, maybe over time that will that will dissipate and you know things move on pretty quick in MMA and people forget but I do think there was some missteps there and there was maybe a bit of extra pressure on him and uh, I don't think his uh, post fight oh I definitely won that fight uh, <laughs> you know um, yeah helps either I think there was definitely um, you know the first kind of major missteps by Paddy in the UFC but you know he got the win and the history books will say he got the win so you know, uh, MMA forgets pretty quickly. It'll probably, you know, move on as if he won, as if he'd won the decision. You know, um, undisputedly, if that's a word. <laughs> so maybe it won't affect him, and people will forget or whatever. But uh, you know, he's kind of on thin ice now with a few, with a few fans. I'd say he want he'd want to be careful what he's saying. Uh, you know, rein it in a little bit, and not his personality, but just his. Um, you know, uh, I don't know, just his um, shite. Yeah, just a shy talk, yeah. <laughs> look, the, the last thing in the fight, and we'll talk about the rest of the hoopla around it. The, look, the reality of this, and remember this, this was a low-level lightweight fight. Like, this was bottom-of-the-barrel quality in terms of lightweight in the UFC. It it really was. Some people tell you different. Some people tell you Paddy Pimblett's, you know, prospect of the year and stuff, which is just uh, absolutely crazy. But, look, I feel like we've fairly... Uh, talked about Paddy Pimblett over, over the last while and talked about his level this showed his level is is pretty low in the division like Jared Garden is a good fighter you know he basically went out there, there, was, there was, hand tie and threw the hook uh, and almost won the fight it was yeah, it's low level, level needs, stuff low yeah, level needs, Paddy Pimblett really needs to sort out getting caught with that left hand you know if, he never will again. he never will yeah. Graham like Paddy Paddy is not a top level fighter just I think we need to just forget about that now at this stage like it's it's just been proven he's he, he's 28 next week as he said he's had a, a ball of fights he's been fighting for years and years and years it's it's just not going to happen he's a you know he's 23 like if, if he did dedicate himself didn't get no. fat like did everything no. properly like he, like he could definitely be better than he is at least ah, yeah, he could be better than he is but you're never breaking that gap to Islam Makachev you're ne- never breaking that gap to Dustin Poirier or anything like that there's just no way it's, it's just not we can delude ourselves into thinking he will be he he struggled to beat Jared Gordon with all Jared Gordon an okay fighter barely UFC quality and he probably you know he probably lost that fight it, not yeah no, it's just it's not it's not going to do it there. Uh, I, I I think we just need to stop that shit now. Let's uh, let's talk about the other stuff though around us. Look, obviously this week we had uh, we had the whole Ariel Malarkey with Paddy. Um, I, I'll give you my take on it quickly, Graham, and then you can uh, you can talk about it as well. Uh, obviously Paddy went on his podcast everyone has surely seen it at this stage and he called Ariel a rat and a liar and aside from that on the podcast it was one of the most embarrassing hour long interviews I've ever seen in my life honestly the way he just sucked up to Dana well I I was talking to someone about the other day I described it as like um, imagine if you're like a young girl and you're a a fan of the killers and you get to interview the Brandon Flowers 
and you just spend an hour like opening up your fucking diary that you've been writing about Brandon Flowers for the oh, last Do you remember Brandon years. when you said you didn't like somebody from another band? <laughs> yeah. I always didn't like him. Yeah, oh, exa- that was exactly it. was cringeworthy, embarrassing. He, even his face is annoying to me. Oh, it, it was. Honestly, I, I don't think it could have, you could have looked worse in terms of being cool. Like, do you know what You I, know, if he came out and said it on another podcast or said it, you yeah. know, uh, and was wrong or whatever, whatever you think he's right or he's wrong, just the fact that he was doing it to Dana and, you know, Dana was like, oh, this is the best podcast I've ever heard. Like, say more. And Patty's like, yeah, say more. He's, he's such a fucking, that Ariel, I hate him and all this stuff, you know. Uh, he's making money off the fighters. <laughs> like Dana, you're talking to Dana. Like, talking to Dana White. You're talking. Like, what are you? Like, have some fucking sense. Like, uh, what's going on here? It was. It was. And, and even outside of Darius, I forget about Darius stuff. There was so much stuff. Like the weirdest part to me was Dana White as well. Like asking Paddy Pimler what city he was from, and then acting like oh, he that accent. Where, where do you get that accent? Where do you get that accent? Why, <laughs> like why, why, oh, oh my, my god. god, it was it was cringeworthy. And then Paddy talking about how great the Ultimate Fighter is and all of it. And then and as well, do you know? And I forget. I don't give a shit about politics or any of that, right? But Paddy Pimler's always like fuck the Tories and all of this, and he's. Oh. <laughs> He's talking like the, the biggest fucking Tory in America and then saying like fight is a pain what they're fucking with and all of this is like what are you talking about? You're the biggest suck up of all time. You're embarrassing yourself. Do you know that thing at the moment that they say you got the ick? You got the ick. I feel like fans just got the ick for Paddy Blimblet this week. He went from cool and likable and kind of the darling of MMA to this guy who's like, oh no, he's just well, so embarrassing. Yeah, uh, you know, the crowd reaction as he walked in though and the you know the the, the wigs and yeah. the t-shirts and all would, and would tell you otherwise but i think you know maybe hardcore is more uh, are paying attention to the situation maybe maybe you know when you I, buy a I ticket think everything moves on so quick everybody forget about it but i do think it was it was it a was, really bad look it just it was just yeah. cringe the whole thing was cringe very cringe but when when you buy a ticket you pay 100 quid to go out and watch the paddy bimblify basically and that's what this show was of course you're gonna ignore all of that. You know, maybe the next week they won't ignore it. Maybe after the, the kind of shitty fight, they probably won't ignore it anymore. There was a, and uh, you know, this is gonna make them even more Paddy fans. You know, we see, you know, Paddy won that fight. You know, all the haters. You know what I mean? Oh, there will be a bit about that. There will be. And look, that's what fandom is. There's absolutely no problem with that. Yeah, it's, but, it's a good crack. Yeah, it, it, well, like we need people like Paddy. Like we do. Yeah, I Paddy's great it. for MMA. He's great for the UFC. Like, uh, yeah. love him or hate him, you know, he's getting emotion out of people. He's making people care. You know, people are livid about this fight. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred. And it's it's one of those ones where it's difficult to you know call down the middle and analyze correctly. And like that's what I'm trying to do here. Like I I feel like I have been more than complimentary of Paddy Pillman in terms of the decision and all that. I've called it as I truly believe it. But I also told you there my opinion on. Paddy people that has a fighter and these long-term prospects and that's maybe the opposite of that so here's <laughs> look on the ariel thing as well look ariel obviously came on his show uh talked about paying for an interview and all of this and look you i'm not going to reel it again what ariel said anyone with a brain watching that knows knows that ariel absolutely destroyed him then like paddy was going on different like, he went on uh, instagram a couple of times and Gra- graham bylan is just a, another absolute cringe master just putting up a video where he's like talking slowly in this fucking weird way and just looking into the camera it's like, like the one that just cut uh, off in the middle yeah of just cut off. you can't even post the video like what oh my god it, it felt like they were trying to go 
on the defensive very, very quickly. And like Paddy Bimlet went through his comment section Instagram, found the one comment that was like agreeing with him and posted it. And <laughs> there was on his own Instagram, like if you've ever gone on anyone's Instagram, it's always complimentary of them. And it was just comment after comment. Ariel had the receipts. Ariel made you look like a mug. Why did you lie? This is just like, you know, this is definitely mental stress. And, you know, yeah, oh, hugely. You know, that definitely would have taken away from your performance. And yeah, it, I don't know. It just, it was just disaster really for Paddy. But, you know, as I said, the history books, I think he said this as well, the history books state that, uh, that he won the fight. And MMA fans don't really have, you know, there's so much happening. There's so many fights that you can barely remember half the fighters. And, and all that stuff so things will move on but yeah i think you know um but it's one of those ones right people will move on and the next time we'll be excited for a paddy fight now but there is no recovering from this in terms of the way people perceive you widely if you want to put it that way like people now look at paddy pimblet as that cringy Dana White bootlicker who got ruined by Ariel and that that's a fact right the next time we come out we'll be excited for a paddy fight and there'll be people blowing him up and calling him prospect of the year and all of that a lot of it with the media as well because they know a paddy pin bit get clicks if we're being honest now we don't you know, dealing clicks or anything like that. We that's not the way we work. Yeah, we don't all. get any clicks. <laughs> we don't, no, we, yeah, we don't get any clicks. Sign up on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. That's how you know we get ourselves, and we'd be doing this anyway if no one was listening to it, or you know, just for our our base fan group. But like it. It's the reality of it. The Paddy Pimbit is his good business, and people will continue to cover him. And there's this. Uh, there is this weird thing we are are going to have to deal with with Paddy where like the the reality of it is going to have to be deciphered for his whole career whether that's his ability inside the cage or you know people liking him or whatever it might be because there will be a big fan base of people who will still like him there will be a big fan base of people who forget what happened here but the whole fan base not the whole but like 99% of the fan base was like Hater love Paddy, but he's like, this is him. This is his authentic self. This is, you know, he's kind of cool or whatever. Now I think there's a large percentage of people that's uh, like, just don't think he's cool anymore. The press conference as well before it, cringe, a lot of cringe stuff there. Someone asked him about, you know, that that doctor that he was uh, taking a picture of with the, the guy that got caught for some drugs or something. And the guy asked the most easy layup question of all time. It's like, he basically said, here, Paddy, tell me why uh, this you're not connected to this guy and we'll move on. And Paddy ate his head off and then he was just moaning for the rest of the thing. His post by press conference was awful as well. Just not a good close. Trying to make a joke with Joe straight away. Oh, <laughs> so cringe. How much are you paying me for this? So cringe. As Ariel called it, that knee slapper. <laughs> we never got the we never got the answer for that. Yeah, it was absolute cringe. Absolute cringe afterwards. This roaring for fight at night as well in a after a shitty low level fight. Uh absolute cringe stuff. Look, it just you know, like we sound like we're just hate on Paddy here, but like it's I'm actually fact. like, you know, we've been following Paddy for a long time. We really enjoy Paddy. Um Overall, like as I said, he's great for the sport and all. But yeah, I don't think there's much argument for Paddy's in the in the right here in this situation. You know, Ariel, no. as you said, kind of came with the receipts and you know made it pretty clear what had happened. And uh, if Ariel was lying, you know, I'm sure Paddy and uh, Graham Boylan would have uh, added some context or would have um, 
you know, shown their own receipts and, and they didn't. So, yeah, I think it's pretty hard to make an argument that, uh, you know, Paddy, Paddy won this round. Of course. Ariel played the voice now where Paddy was begging him to come on the show. And like, after that, like, what? what? The only thing from Ariel's point of view, I, I don't believe necessarily that this was the first time he was asked to uh, to bet for an interview. Because, like, I, I think that's happened a lot. <laughs> Never made down through the years. Not well, I suppose Ariel is such a, like, you know, a yeah. big platform yeah, that, yeah. like, you know, the fighters w- would be kind of, you know, There's uh, a lot of stupid most fighters, unless you're there. at the very, very top, would be kind of stupid to turn down the exposure. Yeah, indeed. It's it's a weird one though, like because fighters do the interviews because they'll get more famous. They'll you know even like let's say I I interview Connor during the year, like I got you know half a million views or whatever. A lot of people saw that. A lot of people got an update on him and his career and all of that. And it makes sense for the fighters to do them, even if you're you know the the, the biggest fighter in the history of the sport and everything like that. And for Paddy Pim, the, like the the whole thing as well about Paddy, right? Is it just like uh, uh, maybe you could make like kind of like oh uh, I see where he's coming from if Paddy hadn't have initiated the let's do something yeah. you know what I mean like uh, I, I just like trying to look at it from both sides you know but it's just hard he it also it just feels like he uh, he thinks he's a lot um, now, he's very big right he's very very big and I said it before I think Paddy Pimpin is way bigger than Conor McGregor ever was on the way up because Conor McGregor came before him and kind of ploughed that furrow and now like lads are just are bigger than, than he was before so it, I'm not saying Paddy Pimpin is not big but it's built on a very very <laughs> crumbling foundation in terms of his ability inside the cage and like his personality as well Right, there are a lot of things with Paddy. Like I believe Paddy is real, and I like his personality for the most part. But there's lots of things that Paddy has said in the past, said this week, and will say in the future that are going to kind of put people off him in very big ways, in a lot, but in, in like just getting the ick kind of ways as well. And but like, it, it, like if Paddy was going out there and submitting people in a, in a round or knocking people out around, you know, exactly, it, it changes things. But he's not gonna you know. he's not gonna continue to do that if he's rise uh, if he rises through the ranks if he gets better opponents like Jared Garden. He's a, he's an all right fighter, like he's an all right fighter, and that's the best thing you could say about him. Like, you, would Jared Garden be nowhere ever near the top fifteen? Like, you want to put it that way? And Paddy Bimlet is in his prime now. Don't forget that either. It's it's just like it's just not realistic. It's just not realistic. This also, and that was a, a big part of this as well, right? You've Ariel like openly anti Paddy tweeting on Saturday night, which I was kind of like, a little bit shocked by. Oh, I didn't uh, even see that. What, 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 it, what, it was what, just what, like saying this is the biggest robbery in the history of the UFC, and in laughing at Paddy's, uh, you know, he as I said, he called it a knee slapper and everything like that. Which you know, he has a right to do, no problem. He well, got attacked, attacked and called like a liar. That, I can, yeah, I can, no I can kind of understand. But, it, to be honest, but, but yeah, I, I would I, I, hearing that I would would have thought that Ariel would you know not put yes. that out because he's spoken about that before. He, he did things like that with Fedor, and he regretted it. But anyway, the, my point here is, if Ariel is not if, even if Ariel is not against you, if Ariel is not for you, he's the biggest uh, content creator in, <laughs> in this sport, right? And if he's not there, then th- look, we all know it. Any sports we follow. There's journalists out there, podcasters and stuff. People listen to their opinion 
and they all they do is just parrot it, right? You know who's a good fighter because you listen to Ariel, right? You know who's a good player because you listen to second captains or whatever it might be in soccer, or you you know you listen to the off the ball and you know who's the next good up and coming hurler or whatever it might be. Some people just pick up their opinions from journalists like that, and Ariel's the biggest journalist in our sport. The amount of people now who are not going to be like fed Paddy Pimblett is the greatest of all time by someone like Ariel, or not not quite that, but you, you get what I mean. Like, it's not going to be positive from Ariel going on here forward. I'm sure he will. He'll do it journalistically correct after the it all blows down and all. But that f- massive fan base is not going to be there for Paddy anymore. And that's a lot bigger than the Twitter storm. It's a lot bigger than, you know, Paddy putting on a stupid interview or anything like that, because that... that massive fan base is there it's not just twitter it's not just instagram this is twitter instagram and the people actually consuming the you know the the biggest content creator in the sport and that is really 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 a huge thing i'm telling you it's people might not acknowledge that but it's absolutely huge and i think that's not a good thing for paddy like if look whatever about graham boyle and maybe uh, it doesn't seem like he has the uh the, the logic to do it but what he should be doing now is getting on to Ariel Monday morning and going look Ariel it was a misunderstanding he sh- even if he's he thinks he's wrong or whatever apologize say look could we get Paddy on the show we'll you, you know we, we will you, you think Graham Graham absolutely not absolutely <laughs> not but that's what a manager should be doing it, like what is your job as a manager your job as a manager should be to have no ego, to do what's best for your fighter, to turn things around for them, to get them paid and do all these different things. If you're a proper manager, right? Is that going to happen? That like, I th- I don't think anyone would disagree with that, would they? Like, is it good for Ariel for Paddy Bimlet to be like on the outs with Ariel? I don't think I don't think anyone could agree with that, right? I don't think anyone could agree with that. So what's the manager's job? The manager's job should be to get you with, in, in the ins with Ariel. We've seen people down through the years, like, because I'd be, you know, friendly with Ariel, I'm sure you as well. I've had fighters beg me to try to uh, get Ariel, get on Ariel's show. Oh, will you send Ariel a DM, try to get on the show, and things like that. You know, that's happened down through the years. It's He's a massive guy in the sport. We, we, we can't forget that. And it's, it's a big mistake. Even for Paddy, you know, who, uh, it, like... The Barstool stuff as well, like, <sighs> Jesus. Like, the Barstool said they gave him a million, he, he said Barstool gave him a million quid. How long is that going to last, like? Like, where is he when that goes? <laughs> you know, where, where uh, and the Barstool didn't really do much this week. They, they had uh, they had their own rough and rowdy thing, and they had the, the Army-Navy game or whatever. Dave Portnoy flew out, put up, like, one video about Paddy, and that was it. You know, there wasn't much well, there. You know, the amount of times, though, I've heard Barstool mentioned with Paddy Bimlet's name is probably enough to, <laughs> to yeah, make but him keep, the, keep paying up. Barstool are also the, the place that if you leave Barstool, they'll never, ever, ever mention you again. And uh, <laughs> oh really? Yeah, that that could be the case, Fuck but sake. we'll uh, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, we'll let, let's uh, let's move on and let's right, talk about. But Paddy gets clicks though, so maybe you know, maybe they'll make an exception. Yeah, it's weird as well, right? Because so the whole Ariel thing, we might as well stand this for another while. <laughs> Ariel, like 
as a, um, an outlet that doesn't work on clicks at all, you know, I think maybe twice ever, right, we've made money from YouTube videos in, in like, a, a, in a substantial way. You just, there's very little to be made from YouTube videos. And, you know, we make money off Conor McGregor. Unless you, want to put you put it an ad every fucking three to five minutes <laughs> yeah. and it's just fucking unwatchable yeah. and ruins it for everybody. Look, we oh, that fucking 450,000 video or whatever, we were able to buy our T-shirts that we basically gave away for free <laughs> for most of them out of that and that that was it and then we had one years ago remember when the the press conference was in london and i think niall was at it maybe or something and it did like nine hundred thousand views or something you'd make a bit of money out that but like people and, and this is the wider point of it as well right people a lot of people covering mma especially on the way up are doing it for free like ariel's not doing it for free but ariel is getting people on He's not. Well, Ariel getting, be on a wage. Like he wouldn't be. He's on a wage, be like, yeah. oh, you got a million views this week, so you're getting this much money. That's exactly that what he said. Situation. That's exactly what he said. But there's, so there's two different points to this here, right? Ariel is doing it because he wants to put on a good show. He's not doing it best and clicks or anything like that. There's some people I'm sure that, and I know there are websites out there that pay you based on how many clicks you get on a website and things like that. We've all seen that down through the years. You know, well, we're of course, like, like you know, you want more clicks uh, if you're Ari, you want more clicks because you want people to be interested in your guests or you yeah. know to have something interesting said in your interviews or whatever that people are clicking on it. That's obviously a sign that you've done a good job. Yeah, but it's not affecting his bottom line. No, and Ari just wants to put on a good show, and I think he he says that, and I think anyone with a brain would acknowledge that as well, right? So. He has a massive platform. He wants to put on a good show and you should want to get your name out there and, you know, to the biggest platform you can get it. There is a relationship there, right? And I think, it, look, it's not complicated. It works well for everyone. Yeah, for everybody people. helps you. You scratch my back. Yeah. Exactly. And you look at it, right, with Paddy Pimblet on the way up, right? So, obviously, Kelly, Steve and Sean Betts were out there interviewing him. John King did a great job of interviewing him on the way up. Did you think like do you and people seem to uh, have a big uh, misunderstanding of this? Do you think those lads are getting money for that, right? <laughs> no, absolutely, you're losing money every event you attend. So those lads paid money to go and interview Paddy Pinder to earn no money and gave him the time of day. And look at some of those interviews now; they've done very, very good numbers on Severe May. We still haven't made any money out of them because it's it's over like the fucking ten years or whatever it is, right? And I'm sure John King's one did big numbers as well. And when Ari got him on early, and you know, I, I'm sure uh, I'm sure it got Paddy Pinder's name out there, and. No, like they did that for free to bring him up and now he can't re- uh, reciprocate that to that to me is a, is a real sign of like where were people <laughs> campaigning for Paddy to be exactly. on our show exactly exactly it, it's a it's a really weird thing and i suppose we are more invested in this because we interview a lot you know uh, a lot of the way people on the way up like andrew back in the day and ian and andy you know and quilcha and other people on the old triangle and on you know our uh, our youtube as well even me a small bit and i'm sure you've interviewed people down through the years as well it's we're invested in that more than a lot of people and i think i saw chris fields talking about it this week i hope the fighters actually um you know, to realize what they have and realize how, you know, how big it is to get the coverage like that as well. And for the fighters to kind of turn their back on you after that, in terms, in terms, and turn your back is a weird thing, but like to kind of forget you when you've given them all that, that coverage. And it, this goes for Ariel as well. And the biggest, this is not just like, oh, the small, you forgot the small guy when, once you got big. 
I think that is a real bad sign of a person. I well, really just remember really who don't. helped you along the way, like yeah, yeah exactly, exactly, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And we're lucky in Ireland, like all the fighters have have kind of been like that. And you know, thanks to yourself and the other lads with great relationships with them. me, not so, <laughs> me, not so much. No one likes me, but uh, yeah, I, I just it's it's a real bad sign of a person. I think, and you know, look, look. I mentioned we interviewed Conor McGregor a few months ago. He's the biggest star in the history of the sport. And why Why did you do the interview with us? Like, I'm not going to explain, right? We all just know. It's self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah, just because yeah, you are. Yeah. But like, it's, yeah, it's, it is just one of those where it, the, the fighters all the time ask, like, you know, talk about loyalty and all. And I, your job as a, a media member is not to be loyal. Your job is to tell the truth and tell the facts out there. And your job and this is a reason why you shouldn't be paying the fighters either to do interviews. Because if you pay a fighter to do an interview, it's like uh, an agreed upon relationship, right? A media member and a fighter should not have a, an agreed upon relationship. It should be, I do an interview, you do an, you do an interview with me, I can ask you absolutely whatever I want. And in MMA, right? It's not even 99 times out of 100. It's 9,999 times out of 10,000. It's positive. It all, it's always positive in mixed martial arts. Always in terms of interviews. Like even me, myself, I would think I like to bring up issues and ask people about things. But when I interview someone, it's always like fun. It's always friendly. It's, it always is. And like sometimes fighters act like you're, you're just trying to bring them down. You're like, it's, it's so weird. It's so weird. Like, there are a couple of websites to try to do that, but like, I didn't say a bloody elbow and others, but like, when Crookland has interviewed people down through years, it's always been positive. Like, the vast majority of people doing it are always positive, and it's this weird relationship. Sometimes the fighters think the media are out to get them. They're absolutely not. If I want to sit down with someone for 20 minutes, I want to like talk to Sinead Kavanagh and get her story, or talk to Liam McCord uh, before her last fight and see how she comes back from that Liam, uh, from that Sinead Kavanagh fight and see where she's going to go next. Or you talk, you know, you talk to Connor and ask him about he's coming back from injury and things like that. It's, I don't know, it's it, it's just a weird relationship. Anyway, let's move on and let's talk about more stuff. Well, like, yeah, no, just before you move on, I think, on. you know, some of them are a very sensitive bunch, but it is a strange situation where people are, like, talking about you. We're talking about people on a podcast. People are talking about you, writing about you, saying things, you know. It probably is a bit strange uh, before, at the start at least, or, you know, some people find it hard to to handle like and it probably is like if, if somebody was writing an article every week or doing videos about you critiquing you or critiquing me you'd probably be like here fuck this fucking guy like you know what i mean um so you can't understand it but yeah it's just um it's it's just they're sensitive like you know they are fighters or warriors or whatever but they're they're humans as well who are sensitive and you kind of maybe we kind of forget that a little bit sometimes you know especially people on twitter maybe forget forget that these people are, are human beings and stuff and uh, some of the criticism can be hard to take or whatever but yeah uh, it's just understanding the, the game and you know understanding that um you know your your business here and your 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 fighter is your is your is your business and you've got to you know keep these relationships don't burn bridges you know um, maybe it could all be buried with with a phone call from for example uh, Paddy or Graham to, to Ariel but it's never going to be the same really you know they, they, Paddy and Ariel were kind of nearly like more friendly than maybe you know 90% of of uh, relationships Ariel would have with fighters they seemed a bit more kind of you know uh pally so uh, yeah it, it's just 
it's just a really stupid thing to do to for any fighter to burn a relationship like that with with a, such a such a big platform in in the sport where there isn't that many big platforms. Yeah, and the way he did it, do uh, we want really to get that? But the way he did it with Dana was just it was so embarrassing. The way he did it, it was just it was just a terrible all, all around week for Paddy Pimblett. The only good thing is he got to win, and and that's it. And he moves on, and and we will move on too, right? The main event. <laughs> we were talking about the main event. Look, we we won't go over it massively uh, again for for forty minutes this time, but just a quick, like literally uh, one sentence, go through it. One and two. Sorry, round one, very close. I went back and watched it. And look, the fight came down to round one. I scored it for Ankeliyev live, but when, going back watching it last night, I do, I do think Bohovic won it. He landed some lovely leg kicks. He landed some right hands inside. Ankeliyev landed some right hands as well. It was a very, very close round. But I do think Bohovic mm. won it on rewatch. I thought live he won it. Uh, Ankeliyev won it. The second and third, look, the second round, it was definitely a Bohovic round. He kicked the legs off of Ankeliyev. The third was, to me, a close round as well because Ankeliyev I have landed lots of shots, lots of big punches, but the leg kicks to me were the most effective shots of that third round, uh, and I think Blahovich won that. And Kalayev, uh won the, the fourth then and won the fifth. There was no doubt about that. The only thing in the fifth was it a, a 10-8. Uh, I, I don't look like looking at the stats, but it was 17 punches to zero, which, you know, is... I don't, I, you can say whatever you want about that, but he did land some good shots. He did... Uh, you talk about the 3Ds, look, we're looking at a 10-8. Did he have... Domination, yes. Did he have duration? Yes. Did he have damage? I'd say yes, but did I he have overwhelming so, yeah. damage? Probably he didn't probably didn't have overwhelming damage. This is the t- start of 10 8. It, this is the start of 10 8 18 months ago that would have been given, and no one would have batted an eyelid. But since the 10 8s have changed, we don't see this given as a 10 8 as much anymore. I like the fact that it's a 10 8. Like the, the weird thing, I wasn't even <laughs> thinking about it as a yeah. 10 8 because if he didn't, changed. if he didn't have his hand like kind of pinned and just, I don't know, it, it, it definitely seemed like a 10 8 to me. But even if it wasn't a 10 8, I, I think, you know, uh, the first round you mentioned that maybe the leg kick, maybe watching it back, I haven't watched it back, so maybe maybe this is wrong. This is just a maybe suggestion, but maybe because you know, you knew. Uh, the damage that came in uh, the future rounds on the leg kicks that you put more weight into the leg kicks by Jan in the I, first round. I don't think. I don't, I don't think they so. were that big in the first round. Like they, they were, trying to remember, maybe they were nice. They were more there was one big one and about four kind of nice ones. But Ankeliyev really didn't do much until the last ninety seconds of that round. He landed one a good right hand. He went, landed one other nice right hand, and everything else was kind of whiffing. And Blahovich himself Those landed body two kicks nice enough shots. Stabbing the body were nice as well, though. I Oh, yeah. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think there was much. You know, it was a close round, no doubt about it. Like this is one of those fights where it can go either way. Like if you look at to look at the five rounds, to me, two and three went to Blahovich, four and five went to Ankalaev. Maybe you have a ten eight in there. Maybe you could make it a draw, and in one can go either way. So literally, it's two two one swinging. So like this, this isn't. There's no way this is a robbery or anything like that, and it was a draw as well. We need to remember Blahovich didn't win the fight; it was a, uh, it was a draw. Uh, what did you think overall? Like, uh, having kind of thought about it for a few hours. Yeah, like uh, I, I thought the best result that Jan could have hoped for was a draw, but I, uh, yeah, I could see you can make an argument for that. I don't think it's a robbery, but I, I do think the wrong guy won. I did have the fifth round at ten eight. I thought he did enough in in that position against the cage with the with the hand trapped or the arm trapped. 
uh, yeah, I, I think he can very, feel very hard done by, especially with, <laughs> with the announcement afterwards, straight after from Dana White, that it's, uh, yeah. uh, he's basically forgotten about and, uh, oh, forget about that guy. <laughs> we're, mo- we're moving on. Uh, obviously, adds a mystique to the, the, the uh, UFC light heavyweight belt. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like We, we talked about it, um, the kind of lack of reason behind what's going on, but yeah. Uh, it seems to have gone to another level, you know. I think Dana, for years, would say, "Oh, I don't make fights straight after, but he, he seemed to make this <laughs> fight." You know, Glover <laughs> seemed to be calling for a different fight. Everybody's calling for a different fight on Twitter, and yeah, nobody seems to know what's going on. And then, yeah, I don't know what is going on. Yeah. I know you, you're big on on, you know, you made a prediction, and we'll probably talk about this, but even for you, I don't think this is um, what you expected or, <laughs> you know, the meritocracy that doesn't exist, even pretending to be observed. Funnily enough, and I might get up this clip, but we, talk, we talked about this in the preview show, and I think I might have said we could have Glover Teixeira fighting Jamal Hill for, like, <laughs> the title in the middle. I think I said something like that. Genuine, like, you never know what's going to happen here. You really, really never know. And do you know why this, this is a weird one, right? Because but How did you predict that if you thought this was going to be a draw? Or I, don't know, I, I, I was predicting draws all over the place this weekend, but I don't know, maybe I didn't say exactly that. But I did say uh, Jamal Hill might get into a title shot because of, you know, the injuries and stuff. But I then I said in the press conference afterwards, he kind of oh he stopped watching the fight after the third round. The fight was just going around the third, just getting that was going. The most interesting part. It was the most interesting part. Like, it was can he finish him with the leg kicks? Can Ankalaev's forward pressure take away the leg? Kick? You know that was so the, bizarre. Was, just yeah. so bizarre altogether. But uh, yeah, uh, look. Uh, would I want to see a rematch of this fight? Yeah, I suppose I would. You know, th- this is where it felt like a post slim. It like Paddy Bimlet was the main event to this. This just felt like, oh, we have to stay up and watch another fucking five rounds of this stuff. Yeah, you have to watch this. We have to watch this UFC light heavyweight championship fight. This is fucking Amasov versus Storley in Dublin in a few months' time. That's exactly what this is. After Peter Quillier or someone fights, like no, just no one give a shit about it. Uh, it was just a, a kind of a weird fight to watch, all in all. Um, but yeah, to be honest, I actually enjoyed the fight, even though it wasn't a bad fight. It wasn't, it wasn't great fight by any stretch of any imagination, but just the way it was kind of you know on a knife edge uh, due to the the leg kind of. Ankalaev looked like you know the way he reacted. It looked yes. like the leg was gone, and then it looked like the other leg was damaged as well. So you're like, oh shit! And then he, oh, can he even use his legs here to get the takedowns? And you know, he kept at it, and you know, he, he did a really good job of overcoming. You know, it definitely wasn't in a, you know, Dana's not wrong in saying it wasn't a great fight or anything, but. Yeah, definitely wasn't the biggest stinker as uh, as Dana made it out to no, me. No, this is the most I've ever been impressed with Ankalaev, to be honest. I think he showed great heart. He was, you know, Bohovic is a tough guy to fight and a very, very good fighter. Um, fight and, IQ was very good, yeah. Yeah, he, it was, but then he got to the third round and he, or the fourth round, he was so tired. He kept giving up the takedowns over and over. And like a part of that was Ankalaev pushing the pace and he had to push the pace. I think. Um, I think Joe Rogan called it very well. Maybe it was Carmian when they said, uh, look, Ankalaev has kind of changed his game plan here to not allow Blahovic to set and kick that leg. And it was really smart and he didn't get any more leg kicks for the rest of the fight. And it was, it was a really, really good in-fight switch up. And that was, look, that was the reason he won the fight 100%. And, or he, no, he didn't win the fight, but that was the reason he got the draw. He didn't lose the ah, fight. He did really, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Honestly, like, 
on live watch I had it to three two to Ankalaev. Going back watching the first round, I had a three two to Blahovic. So and I can see a ten eight in the fifth. And if you had it that guard, you know it's a draw. So I like this is not a controversial one at all. They're so like the f- the first and the fifth are very very understandable. Not a bit controversial in fairness, but not, yeah. re- not really. Maybe though, it's like, not a robbery, but I think. But if you go, if you think about it in the hard light of day, the first round was close. The fifth round could have been a ten eight. Like the, and I think the third round was very close as well. People are kind of forgetting all the shots Ankle I have landed in third. I do think Blahovic won it. But like this was this was not a robbery by any means. There shouldn't be any controversy around this one. Like the, the Pimble one a little bit different. I think if you're like as I said, if you're scoring that the right way, I think Jared Gordon's big shots in that first round should score, you know, more highly than they did or whatever. But yeah, this one was this one was a little bit different. But look, we move on and we'll talk about if people are just tuning into this and haven't seen the press conference, as Graham said, Dana White announced Jamal Hill versus Glover Teixeira will fight for the title, which these two lads fought for um, <laughs> in in Brazil in a couple of months' time. So that uh, that should be interesting. Right, let's move on. And before we move on, Graham, uh, let me just mention uh, our good friends over at uh, at NordVPN. We'll be talking about Bellator in a minute, and that's how I watch Bellator this week with NordVPN because uh, you can't watch it in my part of the world. You need it to, uh, to VPN over to Canada and watch it on YouTube there. So um, I always get frustrated when I can't watch live sporting events because they aren't televised and available in the country. And NordVPN... Um, allows you to switch your virtual location to a country that's shown the sports event uh, I want to watch and for this case it was Bellator at the weekend so you don't miss out uh, on the action um, you know we're also on the brink of a global recession the world is going a bit crazy you need to cut back and on spending and save some money while protecting yourself online NordVPN really helps everyone save money uh, as well as protecting from cybercrime you know you could change your virtual location and sign up for subscription services from other countries and pay a cheaper price um, for example you can sign up Netflix uh, while being virtually in Mexico and it's much cheaper than the US and UK I must, I must do that myself uh, you can book flights as well and holidays via another country and pay less and NordVPN essentially pays for itself with those savings and, you know, if you're in America as well and the PFL finale uh, was a couple of weeks ago if that comes up again it, it was free uh, over here and in the UK as well you could have just watched it on YouTube with NordVPN and absolutely uh, saved yourself uh, on that you know, cybercrime is becoming a bigger thing as well. And around Christmas, it's massive. And NordVPN is a one-stop shop for all things cybersecurity related. It's incredibly easy uh, for anyone to use. It's just a click and you're protected. Um, you don't have to be a tech genius to use it with NordVPN account. You can have up to six devices protected. Um, you no longer have to worry about hackers, malicious sites and pop-ups for the price of uh, one coffee a month. You have the peace of mind and knowing that your devices and your data is protected so really good stuff there from nord vpn it's the price as i said of a cup of coffee a month a small price to pay for your premium cyber security and access to a vast amount of entertaining content from all over the world so grab your exclusive nord vpn deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash severe mma to get an absolutely massive discount off your nord vpn plan and four months free it's completely risk-free with nord vpn's 30-day money-back guarantee so it's an exclusive deal NordVPN.com forward slash severe mail. Try it. Sorry, NordVPN.com forward slash severe mail. Try it risk free now with a 30 day money back guarantee. Right, let's finish the rest of this card. Ponzinibbio, two rounds down. 
thank God we don't have open scoring because Alex Verona <laughs> kept fighting in the third round and got knocked out by Ponzinibbio. Poor old Alex Verona. Um, yeah, he, he was doing a really good job up until, up until the third round. And, he was, uh, you know, coming short in on notice, short notice yeah. and frustrating uh, Ponzinibbio, just kind of staying away from his power hand, staying busy, light on his feet, landing shots. But yeah, Ponzinibbio has power and he landed power. And when he did, he has a killer instinct. And we've seen it before, you know, in fights maybe that you think we're slipping away from Ponzinibbio and he, he has a way of finding, finding that power. And I thought it was a good stoppage by the ref. I saw... I agree, yeah. Morono was kind of complaining a little bit. But yeah, no, I think... Uh, he just would have got coffin nailed if, if the ref had let it gone uh, any longer. So, yeah, that was a good stoppage there. Very good stoppage, in my opinion, yeah. Uh, Duplessis and Darren Tilden. Oh, uh, yeah. This was, I, I was going full Prince Nazim Hamed watching this. I was like, you just need to retire, <laughs> to retire Darren. And it, was, it wasn't great for you and if you're a Darren Tilden. Oh, fight. but he, he absolutely blew it at the same time. Yeah, you know? he did, yeah. Oh, the first round, I don't know what he was doing. I thought the ref was get, was getting a bit close too close too early, but Darren Till was just doing absolutely nothing except eating punches and talking to the ref. It, it's just what are, what are you doing? And but uh, you know, Dupacy tired himself out and was was there for the taking in the second round. Like and even in the third round, if Darren Till just why isn't he sprawling? It's just unbelievable. Like he's just and he's falling into the the dead space on his shots and just so sloppy. I know. I don't know. It's just a just a terrible, terrible performance by Darren Till. Yeah, he he did. He said he injured his knee in the second. Um, yeah, well, what about the first? Oh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was. It, it just wasn't good from from Darren Till, as you said. Like that fight could have been. Um, I think it was Mark Spitt was a referee, and he's he's just not a good referee. I I absolutely hate referees that involve themselves in the fight too much. If the fight needs to be stopped, go in and fucking stop it. Stop standing there near him like fucking shadow on him. I hate. I, I fucking hate it. I really hate referees like that. They changed an outcome of a fight. They really do. Like the the Reese McKee Burlinson fight as. Well, I remember that the referee was like, he for like I don't he didn't make it. You got to move or whatever, and then yeah, you end up in a worse in, position just because in, of that. Like, like up let the fight happen, and then if the guy's not defending himself, call it off. Like, yeah, oh, I fucking hate that shit. Like, I really just you should just be there to 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 do the bare minimum. Stay away from the fucking fight. Just stay away from it. Let him fight. But anyway, it, it's it's yeah. like in rugby when the ref starts fucking coaching the scrum and fucking, oh, that's so you know, weird. Just let them make the mistake yeah. and then give the penalty. Or, it. Like, coaching them like absolutely. I fucking hate that. Like you see someone like Mark Goddard. I think he used to be a little bit like that, but he's gotten a lot quieter in fights now. And says a lot less, and he's the best referee in the world. Like there's no doubt about it. Now he's he's right up there himself and Jason Herzog, the best referees in the world. Uh, and they don't say half as much as these other guys are like get so involved. Oh, it's so annoying. But anyway, yeah, Darren Hill, <laughs> Duplessis basically bait the head off him for the fo- whole of the first round. Uh, Homer Simpson job there. From yeah, Darren it Hill was, the and until like, and it fucking should have worked as well. It actually should have worked. It should have worked. Yeah, Duplessis was so tired in the second round until was landing a few shots. Lovely stepping elbows. He was landing all the time. He did catch his knee under him, but like gave up those takedowns so easy uh, in the in the third round. And he didn't even try to sprawl. It was like no. I, I actually don't think he tried to sprawl once in that fight. It's just unbelievable, really. Uh, what do you think of the submission? Uh, I think he he just gave up. I, I know. I, I, I don't really like to say that, to be honest. But he did. Yeah, hundred oh, percent. Like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Our our job here bad. is to, is to call the facts of how we see it, and like, 
there was there was another fight. The next fight we'll talk about. I think something similar actually happened, but a hundred Darren Till looked for a way out here, and he you know he gave up his neck. Didn't even give up the neck. Really, he was a neck. You know, and if he had torn his ACL out. again, yeah, and you're, you, maybe you're just you know you want out of there. Yeah, mentally 100%, beaten yeah. and physically, you just don't want your knee getting. Worse. Maybe it was a good decision to. But it went so quickly. It went so quickly because he still had a chance to win the fight and all, like you know, or get the draw, or maybe because I think there was a couple of tenets and I predicted draw and it was so almost the draw. But yeah, um, yeah, not great from a lad who talks so much about being like the toughest in the world and all. It, and it's easy for me to say sitting here, but like we have to call the facts as well. That's that's what happened. But anyway. Uh, it's a long road back for Darren Till. Duplessis is just like not that good of a fighter either. <laughs> it just he just isn't like I don't think he'll I don't but I middleweight you never know. But he's I like oh, well, what are you saying during the commentary? He he told us he doesn't get tired. It's just he and he was right. breathes like that for some reason <laughs> yeah. when his uh, output is a bit high. Yeah, me <laughs> too. Like, I think that's called breathing <laughs> heavy and being tired. It is indeed. Uh, Elliot Tapuriado. You know, people talk about top prospects Ooh. and people coming through. My God, what fucking a fucking hell. fighter Elliot Poirier is! Like I picked up the win, and I uh, like, uh, but he fucking he absolutely fucking made a made a uh, you know he made a fucking I don't know what I'm trying to say Just here, but he destroyed Bryce Mitchell like yeah. unbelievable. I thought Bryce Mitchell would like you know cause him some trouble and maybe even get a couple of takedowns, but he just got absolutely blitzed. It was just a absolutely brilliant performance from Deporia. You know, if you're going to have Walker Teague, maybe he needs to like throw 90% or 95% instead of 100% into everything and maybe get himself a little bit out of shape. But yeah. I suppose when you have the guy like like hurt like that, you know, and kind of crumbling like that, then obviously maybe, you know, you, you go hell for a letter. And how much of that, though? Unbelievable. I, I wonder how much of that was actually the opponent in, in, in terms of it was Bryce Mitchell. You know, you have to try to knock this guy out because he's wrestling so good. Like, if you have Max Holloway, I don't think he'd fight that way. You know, I think he'd be, he'd hold back a little bit more. We've, we've seen in the past he fights differently against other people. Yeah, but I think yeah, against Bryce probably Mitchell, right. you probably kind of have to, as the dog, uh, the dog chimes in there. But uh, just a brilliant performance. Fought out of that low stance. Just beat him up, landing that left hook over, uh, over and over and over, landing the jabs down through the middle, the right hands over the top. Um, Mitchell almost got him down a couple of times, but it was no good. He's just a far superior fighter. And in the end, the fight kind of half went to the ground, and you're looking at it, and Bryce Mitchell has absolutely ragdolled people around before, and Tapuria ragdolled him to the ground. Absolutely just decimated him. On the ground, and ended up tapping him. Uh, like another one where, um, you know, the choke was kind of half. Okay, okay he, you win. <laughs> yeah, okay, you, exactly. That was kind of it. Bryce Mitchell, he had the fight beaten out of him, and he made you know he made him quit. And Taporia kind of said that, you know, he, he said uh, he called him. Oh, he was like he said, oh, he's a coward and he's going to quit. No, he's not a coward. But he beat the fight out of him, and he made him quit. And what a performance! Like to do that to someone like Bryce Mitchell, who you could say a lot of things about Bryce Mitchell, you know, and but he's a very tough guy. He's a very talented wrestler. Um, and Taporia just made mince meat out of him, just took away his wrestling, destroyed him on the feet, didn't beat him wrestling, and then submitted him with an arm triangle. Uh, exceptional, exceptional stuff. Very, very good stuff. Right. Um, Raul Rosas Jr. then. He's really, really good Perrin. for an 18-year-old. You know, yeah. obviously, it's not the highest level opponent. It's like a guy who's, I don't think he's ever won in the UFC, but he's an experienced guy, you know, the 17th fight and... This this guy's only eighteen. Hopefully they you know they they must really they have to take the the slow road with him. 
but he's Mexican, which is obviously um, something that the UFC will will be looking at and thinking that that's a that's a good uh, little box that we have to tick off with this guy. So, yeah, I can see the, this guy, you know, getting some favorable matchups. And if, if this fight is anything to go by, I see him looking like a like a really really good prospect. Obviously, you know, it's hard to take much from from uh, such a dominant performance when we haven't seen much of him before. Well, I haven't seen anything of him before anyway. But yeah, for an 18-year-old, that was a phenomenal performance and a phenomenal uh, UFC debut. Yeah, it was very, very good. It, it's it's interesting, though. Like, it's hard to analyse the, the the guy because, you know, he's fighting, obviously, a, a, a very, very, very bad opponent in, in Jay Paran. And he's very... correct opponent, though, to be uh, fighting. Absolutely, team. absolutely. But the, the one thing I would say here, now, I, this feels like a McCormudgeon, right? But... We can't just say he's good because he's 18, right? Now, he does look good, to be honest. But we say he has loads of potential. Loads uh, of potential, yeah. absolutely. Loads of potential. We'll see if he'll get there. With he. But, you know, let's just not say he's great because he's young, because he's the youngest fighter and all of that. Let's watch him over the next while and let's see how good he becomes and let's see how good, you know, he actually is. But he does absolutely looks a top prospect. Looks, you know, 7-0 and coming through. Looks very, very good. But, you know, sometimes, just that's just kind of a warning. I don't want to be a commodity. I don't want to be a prick about it or anything like that. But just did, sometimes... Did you see his fight to, against Mando Gutierrez uh, or Cage or not Cage, uh, Contender Series? I, I did, I, I think. Can't I can't remember either. I don't know. I watched so many fights this time. But anyway, look, very, very good fight. Very, very good prospect. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. It's just, like, the only thing I'm kind of um not worried about wary. but wary of is the level right so it's it's hard to know what level someone is going to get to like if let's say Paddy Pimder right he's 23 fights into his career or whatever we kind of know what level he's going to get to you look at say a guy say coming through in cage warriors and let's say he's 15 and 2 or something like that you can kind of have an idea of be between age and experience and all that what kind of level he's going to get to we're also assuming he's so young and he it's it, like he could go on the beer and fucking you know he could be looking like me in two years <laughs> it's it's tough to know it's really tough to know but look yeah, it's not like we'll, Maca uh, ever somebody where he, you know he's got 20 amateur yeah, exactly. like you know the exactly. top level of amateur that were, you have a kind of more to judge him on but yeah, for, it's definitely, you know, I can see why people would get excited about an 18-year-old. 100%, they should. Listing somebody like that. And it, yeah. yeah, it's good for the sport to have these kind of storylines. 100%, fair play to them. Jarzinho uh, Ross struck in, fair play to Jarzinho as well. 23 seconds, went in there and absolutely destroyed Chris Dawkins, landed a, a lovely kind of forward-going left hand. It's funny, sometimes Jarzinho just comes in there and does nothing, but he did a lot in this one. Uh, Edmund Shabazi, and this was good matchmaking as well. Do you know what? These two fights... Two kind of layup fights, two tune-up fights. Love it. Let's do that. Let's do more more of that in the UFC. More tune-up fights like this. Absolutely love it. Uh, Edwin Shabazian came in there and he beat up uh, Dalcha Ligambula. Uh, you know, did get hit at one stage, but most of the fight he kind of won it. Chris Curtis looked good here as well. Uh, beat Jackie Buckley. Ironically, he caught the leg and knocked out Jackie Buckley. After, you know, Jackie Buckley had the most, uh, the best Viral. knockout in UFC history, catching the leg and, and you know, wheel kicking in Impa uh, Kasangani, uh, which was uh, absolutely fantastic. Billy Q then looked really, really good here, I thought. Alexander Hernandez is getting to Ben Saunders levels of, like, starting well and then fading almost immediately <laughs> in the second round. Like, that's just the fighter he is now. And he's very exciting, very, very fun. But Billy Q is a good fighter. I like Billy Q. I like his personality and I like his fight style. He, he gives it I think like I think Billy Q is like the future 
Joel Ozan or Dan, Jim Miller or whatever, you know, a guy that's going to be around for a long time fighting at that top 25 level, win some, lose some, probably, you know, win two and lose one type of, type of fighter, but very entertaining and a good guy to have on the card as well. So I'm impressed with him. Uh, oh, what's TJ Brown's nickname again? It was the we the best, a good nickname. I like down, down TJ Brown. I love that. Uh, and he had a good win. And then the worst nickname of all time in the opening fight was Obi-Wan Shinobi the Pillow Stephen Kozla just terrible nickname but, uh, <laughs> which is a, I don't know what's going on there but Cameron Simon beat him anyway and uh, and won that fight uh, there was a what wasn't there in that a low I don't know where are my notes gone um I don't know, I lost my notes. There was a low blow on that one, wasn't there? And there was a point taken and all of that sort of malarkey. So, fair play to them. Very, very good stuff. Congratulations to all the lads. We'll move on. We'll go forward. Right, let's talk a, a little bit about uh, about Bellator. Graham Bellator 2A9, the, the last Bellator standalone um, fight night of the year. They have the uh, the other one coming up with uh, Risen in a while. It's actually, I'll have a preview coming out for that in Chardog and stuff, but, and we'll talk about it in this. But, um... They're actually dim fights. I know a lot of people don't know them, and I don't know them. I went back and watched a good few of their fights this week. The, the lads that are fighting, and they're actually not bad, to be fair. So they should be, uh, they should be fun fights. But on uh, on Friday night, we had three big fights uh, in this. Uh, just under that, maybe quickly, Casbell uh, and Jared Scoggins fought. It was a split decision went for Casbell. Brian Moore's always talking about fighting Casbell, so that's a fight that could happen again. Mike Lombardo looked very good. He knocked out Mark Liminger. Uh, Kai Kamaka, the third who I found out, follows me on Twitter. Very, very good. <laughs> Technical display from him there. Looked good. What The biggest shock of the weekend, maybe the biggest shock in MMA this year in terms of the betting lines, Pat Downey got sparked by Christian Eccles. Pat Downey, who's the, the NCAA wrestler. I interviewed him a while back. He was talking about representing Ireland and wrestling and all. Um, striking looked woeful. He went for a takedown, almost submitted Eccles. Then Eccles hit him with a big uh, right hook. I believe it was and it knocked him spark out with an uppercut it was another one it was one of those fights right where it's a wrestler who's never been punched in the face before gets punched once and then just kind of starts backing up at a rate of knots and gets uppercutted into oblivion um, very close decision between Chris Lynchoni and Cody Law uh, I thought Law won 30-27 right that was the card I gave but I was delighted to see he didn't because it was all wrestling it was all kind of holding there wasn't much from Lynchoni but I like fight score that way, so I, uh, I'm i glad my score was wrong. Jaleel Willis looked brilliant against Kyle Crutchmere. Very good performance uh, against the wrestler Crutchmere. Anyway, Joanna against Denise Keelholz. Another close decision. I'll tell you what, it was a fucking very tough night for the poor old judges at Bellator. We talk about the UFC, there was a lot of close decisions. I thought Keelholz just about won it. Very close fight, though. Absolutely no robbery there or anything without a shadow of a doubt. Dalton Rastan and uh, Anthony Adams then a bit of a stinker of a fight until the last night. 90 seconds, Rasta won it, and then the top three fights. Graham, Patchy Mix. I, I think Patchy Mix is a better fighter than I ever thought he would be, to be honest. Yeah, I was literally going to say, I need to stop underestimating Patchy Mix because he keeps getting it done. You know, I thought he's going to lose this fight, and this is this is a huge win and a really, really good performance. You know, he's not just a submission guy. He looks, he looks pretty good on the feet as well, but his submission and his grappling look, he looks like a real finisher on the ground. And, you know, we don't really see that too often anymore. Like, you know, most guys are kind of able to defend uh, the basic submissions pretty well. And he just seems to be able to get it done. And he, he, he's a, he's a tricky matchup for anybody. And, you know, this is, this is going to be a really interesting, um, you know, matchup next. We're obviously going to talk about the, the main event, but, 
yeah, patchy mix. Like, he, I think, you know, he's another fighter that I've kind of maybe, as you said there, underestimated. And, uh, you know, he definitely put some respect on his name. <laughs> is, that, is that what they say? Yeah, indeed, 100%. Like, I think his striking has improved an awful lot. He's devastating with his jiu-jitsu on the ground. I know he, we always say, like, jiu-jitsu by itself is not going to work. But I think the fact that his striking has improved so much, forcing lads to wrestle and then kind of setting them up with the guillotines and different things. Yeah, and now guys are going to know how good you are on the ground and be afraid to, yes. you know. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's huge, you know. <laughs> he, he, he looks a real handful. He really does. Yeah, he 100% does. Um, Liz Carmouche, then she retained her title against Juliana Velasquez. This was this was a real stinker of a two-rounder until the very end. Um, you know, you look at it and, you, you you know, to kind of go through the fight, Liz Carmouche got a clinch immediately, stayed there for ages. Kevin McDonald, who I've criticised before, actually had a great night here before that. He had two very good stoppages in the earlier fights. He eventually broke this up, but God Almighty, this did not an awful first round. The second round, Liz got a takedown immediately. They got up, clinch, takedown again, not for ages again. And it was one of those ones, Graham. I don't know if you would agree with me or not, and I haven't seen anyone else seeing this, but saying this, sorry. There was nothing for ages and ages and ages. I think it was on the point of where the referee was just about to stand him up. And I think uh, Velasquez was kind of waiting for it. And as she was waiting for it, Carmouche got the mount. It was like it was undefended for a second and she just mounted her and from there she got the armbar. Lovely finish. Armbar! Arm! Armbar! But um, yeah, it was a, lo- it was a lovely finish and all, but I, it was one that was like, it wasn't controversial per se. It wasn't controversial, but it was like not 100% clean either, in my opinion. Now, maybe I'm wrong. What, what did you think of it? I don't know. I think it's more of a thing where you're just kind of in the same position for a long time and you kind of got caught unawares. You, you know, you got to you know, as I say, played at a whistle <laughs> in football and it's just, it's a mistake. And yeah, I think, you know, Liz capitalized on it very well, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a bad fight and it was a, you know, Velasquez didn't look good. Um, Liz didn't look great either. Um, but she got the job done and she got the, the second win in a row. So yeah, um, you know, a forgettable fight really, but yeah, I don't think there was anything, you know, dodgy or anything like that. Yeah, fair play to Liz Carmouche that's coming up on the 10 year anniversary of the Ronda Rousey fight now she's out there armbarring people all over the place so uh, it's great to see and uh, I feel uh, feel great for uh, for Liz Carmouche tough road back though for Velasquez after that yeah things could have been very different if she got that rear naked choke that Ronda yeah, bit, her, bit way her way out of, out of it yeah yeah fair play to her fair play to her could have been very different uh, and then we the main events between Stotts and Sabatello uh, a very interesting fight um, I'll run through it very very quickly here if people didn't see it so there was nearly takedown for Sabatello took the back but never fully controlled and that was kind of the team of the fight he got takedowns he got control control-ish but never fully controlled it was always stopped like leaning on an arm or pulling his way out never letting Sabatello get in a submission attempt or never letting him land massive shots another were a couple of times but um Landed on top, but uh, Stotts immediately reverses and got back up. The second round, Stotts was kind of biting on everything, waiting for the takedown. Um, but there was a big punch after a ball kick, which Sabatella was like, no, no, he didn't kick me in the balls. And then Stotts immediately punched him in the face. And then the referee was like, well, you asked for it, kind of job. And uh, he stopped two takedowns after that. And that was a real turning point, I think, in the fight. Landed a lovely uppercut to Stotts. There was a bit of a clinch. There was a body lock takedown for Danny Sabatella. He made it look easy. Um, but he got into guard, lots of scrambles, 
But Danny did very little on the ground. Just landed almost nodding and there was a knee bar towards the end for Stotts. I thought it was 1-1 after that. I did think Stotts was winning even without the knee bar, but the knee bar secured it for him, in my opinion. In round three, there was a grounded knee, an illegal one, but they kept going after that. Easily stopped two takedowns, did Stotts. Landing the shots going forward. Um, there was a takedown for Stotts even in the middle of it as well. There were some scrambles. He got the side control, got up with a few knees and a few scrambles again. A pretty clear stats round. I, th- I thought through three rounds, this wasn't that hard of a fight to judge, to be honest. At the first round for Sabatello, then the next two for Stats in the third. Wrestling ensued very, very quickly. Danny nearly got that choke. It was a nice choke. Uh, Stats scrambled well, though. It was, uh, there was a look at a Darce. Didn't get it. Uh, all controlled, but nothing really landed. Uh, Both landed a few on the feet, an extremely close round. I would give it to Sabatello because he was on top landing a couple and it was close everywhere else. You know, that was all that I could see to separate him. And in the fifth, Stotts definitely won it. Landed lots of jabs, loads of punches from Stotts uh, in the first 90 seconds. Really had him up in the first 90 seconds. It was the best best part of the fight for him. Sabatello got a few scrambles, almost took the back. But Stotts... It was one of those ones again where he almost took the back and he was like, you know, 75% controlling. But Stotts was just landing these small elbows in this weird position for maybe a minute and a half. And Sabatello did nothing with the position. Did take the back eventually, but it got back to guard and there was exchanges late. A definite Stotts round. A definite Stotts round. He spent three minutes in a fight landing strikes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, of, the, of the round it doesn't matter the, the position it was in that was a fact of what happened um, the judges two of the judges two of the best judges in the world I'll mention them again Brian Miner and Eric Cologne scored this exactly correctly exactly correctly they what scored, they scored two, two, three, and 5 for stats uh, 2, 3 Is and it? 5 for stats yeah, yeah and yeah. 1 I thought they were all pretty clear all stats rounds I don't know what the fuck Douglas Crosby is, 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 yeah. is doing Douglas Just Crosby terrible terrible card from yeah terrible card like, from uh, like I, I don't know can you make an argument for you definitely can't make an argument for all 5 rounds could you make an argument for 4 I, I don't think so which 4 <laughs> <laughs> maybe three if you're stretching it but uh, five, I don't think so five like uh, it's just it's it's pretty outrageous to be honest yeah look Douglas Crosby he's a terrible judge and you know me now I don't really criticize judges I I very much in favor of the judges but Douglas Crosby he has no business judging MMA like anyone who's been on the, those California calls uh, anyone who's seen his cards down through the years he kind of judges MMA the way he wants to judge MMA himself not true the criteria and um to have this 50 45 is just like anti what, what criteria facts. is he going by here i don't i don't i don't know it, even yeah. by like your own made-up criteria i don't know how how you give five rounds to nail it was awful it, look it's just lucky we had two great judges and brian minor and eric cologne here and and we got the right decision you know the right guy won just such an egregiously terrible card it's hard yeah, to yeah. it's hard to ignore it but look the right guy did one and, and overall stats it was a very tough matchup for him. Sabatello is a very good fighter. Maybe people kind of forget that sometimes he's a very, very tough, hard-nosed wrestler. And it was great for Stotts to come through. And he put on a very, very good, uh, not a good performance. Well, it was a good performance, but not a standout performance, but a, a battling win. And one where, you know, he won the rounds that needed to be won. Against a different, uh, difficult style as well. Yeah, exactly. So very, very good stuff from him. What, How do you see Pachi? I, I was just uh, about to ask you that tough question. <laughs> I, I do think Stotts will win it. I, I think Stotts oh, is I one of the. Oh, no, do you not think so? 
I don't know, like, uh, if Fachi can get him down, uh, like, you know, Sabatello got him down quite a lot. Um, he is, like, he, the way he's able to finish people, you know, that's that's definitely a big, big threat there, you know. I, I'm, I'm not really sure how this fight is going to look, but the way Pachi makes it has looked recently, like that Haraguchi fight included, you know, uh, decision, like, going, hanging in there for that long and winning against somebody that good. You know, he's definitely the real deal. He's he's proved it and he can finish people and he's a difficult matchup. I know Stoss is definitely <laughs> definitely a difficult matchup as well. And uh, it's it's a really good fight. You know, it's worked out kind of perfectly for, for the tournament for Bellator. This is a fight I'm really excited about. Two guys who are, you know, beating the kind of who's who uh, around them uh, in the final in a really exciting matchup that it's hard to kind of foresee how the fight is going to look. So, yeah, this is this is one of them I'm definitely looking forward to. Hopefully yeah. we don't get any any major injuries. Oh, God, why would you say that? <laughs> because it's MMA and this is fucking um, all nice things get taken away. It is. It is, <laughs> it is indeed. Um, let's look ahead to next week. We have uh, a UFC fight night. We have KSW as well. Just first of all, quickly on KSW, I'll have a preview coming out for it during the week and I'm sure Sean Dean will have a preview up on SevereMail.com as well. Marius Pujanowski against Ooh. Mohamed Khalidov. What a fucking fight this is. Who do you think will win, Graham? Pujanowski or Kalidov? Pujanowski knocked out Matarla. Surely, no, surely. Oh, I know. Pujanowski knocked no. out Matarla in his last fight. Uh, yeah, you know, he's a very good fighter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Surely, Kalidov will have a speed advantage here and be able to to do enough. I said the same about Matarla. I don't know. I know, I know, I know. Uh, but yeah. I, 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 I agree with you. I find it hard to pick Pujanowski here, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Kalidov will win, but a very good fight and one that, you know. Any MMA fan will have to tune in for the 135 pound title is on the line as well as the 205 pound title Sebastian Prubska against Jakob Viklak and Ibrahim Shigodayezev against Ivan Erzlan. Absolutely pronounce all of those round, uh, names perfectly. Emil Weber Mech is on the card as well, as is Carl McNally, Ireland's own Carl McNally, uh, who's 2 0. We all, you know, we know him from the viral clips with his great submissions and everything like that. So, a very good KSW card. Yeah, and, and he's uh, fighting a guy who's 1 0, but I was looking at his record and he's been fighting MMA as an amateur since 2016 and he's undefeated. Um, what seven or six and oh at amateur and uh won his won his debut so you know it's hard to know having not seen this guy but uh you know carl's making uh starting off his pro career as well so it seems like this could be a an interesting one it's hard to know how it's going to go but you know as you said carl's kind of you know that rolling thunder armbar from a few years ago that, that we that kind of went um semi-viral or whatever um he he's known for kind of you know taking risks and throwing a bit outrageous strikes and stuff like that so he's always an interesting one to watch if you haven't seen him before 100 percent. yeah very very uh very interesting very good ksw card the very good ufc card as well uh next week headlined by jared cannonier versus sean strickland but um, very good you think yeah. yeah i think it is like for a fight night card i think saryukin versus uh ishmagulov is a very good fight i like it, 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 sean five years ago if i had i come to you with this card what, what, what? <laughs> well, I, no, I think it's good i like i like bobby green versus drew dober i like caceres versus erosa you know, I, th- I don't I know. There is some good fights on it, but very it? good card. I was, I was, for for I a know. fight night card, usually like, I'm used to you shitting all over a fight night card. Yeah, card but so like, just took me by surprise. I don't know. I like I like Manel Cape. I've always liked him. He's on the cards. You know, I, 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 there are um, Saeed Megamedov's on the cards. Eros Green's a bit of crack. Erosa, yeah. Jake Matthews of Alex Osasco. A bit of crack as well. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It, yeah for yeah, a fight night right. card, it is a good fight night card. To be fair, now, but we never know. I thought this wasn't the best pay per view, and it was one of the best pay per views in the year. So, so who knows? But um. 
main event though you know Sean Strickland <laughs> yeah. if he has it his way it might put a bit of dampener on, on the card by the end of the night yeah, I, I don't know you never you never know with uh, without uh, Sean Strickland I, I would think Cannoneer but like the thing about Cannoneer is as well like if he can land a big shot he'd probably knock him out I would say but can he land that big shot I don't know I don't know. And Strickland's going to try and drag it out and try to make it. You know, yeah. he's going to try and take it five rounds, probably. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure we'll see. Uh, we'll I don't see. have too high hopes for this fight. No, and the, the lads will have the preview show as well. I'm sure they're going to wax lyrical about uh, about Saryuk and his Magulov. That's a very, very, very high level fight. And Amir Albazi's a good fighter as well. Yeah, yeah. Just, just uh, a has a win else. over uh, Ryan Curtis. Been on a tear, looking really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe this, maybe this card is a bit better than. <laughs> no, <laughs> there first, you go. There you go. I first said. Right, we leave it there. Very long podcast this week. Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, Graham, send us out. Patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. Uh, NordVPN. Uh, what is it? NordVPN.com forward slash severe my manscape.com. Use promo code severe my as well. Graham, give us a quote. Football's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming it's home. Coming. <laughs> Bo- Bo- come on, Harry. Come on, Harry. Harry Maguire and Harry. Uh, uh, do, do, do a great service. Do, do a great service. Jules are Good old Gary. 66 years of hurt. Thanks, everyone. Good luck. Sorry, English people. Bye. This is Severe on the Man. We're alongside Patty Pimlet. No one wanna win anyway, so what's the point of feeling pressure? Don't take your eyes off your opponent, that's the way you get caught slipping. Got caught slipping once or twice there, like you caught me, but it's something deep inside that you can't teach. You can't teach what I've got, no one can get taught what I've got. Anyone that gets in there with me knows that you can't teach what I've got. I'm above, Arsene above, get me McGregor, I'll smoke him as well. Who's he? Aldo's gonna kick his ass, and when he does, I'll kick his ass. Bisbon. He hasn't even got his own people, lad. Doesn't know where he's from. Heard his accent. Come on, lad. I'm a scouser. We look after our own, like I've said. Come back here anytime and I'll have the best support in the world. Doesn't matter where you go, I'll have the best support in the world. Just waiting for the call. If someone wants to give me a call and give me a shot in the, in the UFC or something, let's go, you know what I mean? You know, who doesn't want to get turned by the UFC and start earning real money? And like, it's because I know for a fact, first fight in there, I'm getting 50 grand up. I'm sub of the night, all fight of the night bonus. Simple as. Declaring the winner by GAO Patty! The-